Hi, everyone. My name is Nori, and you're listening to the Tell Your Story segment of the SoCon podcast. I'm very excited today as I have one of my best friends and sisters in the faith, Samantha Jones, here today, who's going to share her journey to motherhood and how God has guided her through this process. I know that you're going to find her story super encouraging, and I'm super excited for her to share with you. So before we go any further, I'll go ahead and let Sam introduce herself. Hello everyone, Um, I'm Samantha Jones, I'm 32 years old, I live in Stratford, Connecticut with my husband and two children, Adam who is two, and Olivia is five months. Um, I've been living in Connecticut and in the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ for about five years, yeah, almost five years, so we love it here, Um, you know, I just spend my days hanging out with the kiddos and Um, My husband just started a new work-from-home job, so we're figuring all that fun stuff out, but that's me. Awesome. So I wanted to have Sam on the show today to talk about her blog, Keeping Up With The Joneses. Um, And so in that blog, Sam just talks about her journey to motherhood, what that's been like for her, how God has challenged her through that. So Sam, would you like to elaborate a little bit more on it? Sure. Um, Yeah, so I think for me, my whole life growing up, I kind of just thought motherhood would define me. Um, I was always excited to be a mom. You know, my mom was really good with babies. And so I was always hanging around other little kids or littler babies than me. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to be a mom. I really wanted to have a bunch of little kids in my life. I wanted to have six kids and I wanted to adopt and I wanted, you know, all this stuff. And so I just thought it would be like a, yeah, just my what defined me in my life. And um, it's actually changed a lot. And obviously for the better, because Jesus is really what's supposed to define me. Um, But God has kind of had to teach me the hard way, which that's kind of my MO with God, but learning the hard way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, I, I really wanted to try to start having kids like, you know, almost as soon as I got married. But my husband and I decided that we wanted to take time to have just uh, just the two of us and, you know, getting to know each other better and things like that. Um, and so then eventually I, I got pregnant and I was so excited and um, I just thought, like, this is the moment. And then I ended up having a miscarriage about, like, two months after I found out. Um, but I think, like, it just never was really, like, a viable pregnancy. But... And it was kind of a roller coaster because I went and they saw a heartbeat. And then the next time I went, there wasn't a heartbeat and there was no growth. So I ended up having um, a DNC and that was really difficult. It was hard, you know. Um, at first, I, I kind of thought it would be fine. And then when I woke up from the anesthesia is when I it really hit me that I had a miscarriage, you know. Yeah. And then you know, the church really surrounded me. I felt really surrounded by, like, people in my life and um, lifted up by people and encouraged by people who had also had miscarriages. And I realized then how common it is. Um, Doesn't make it easier, but it helps you to understand, okay, I'm not, I'm not weird or bad or, you know, all these thoughts that you can have when you go through something like that. But, okay, it's, it, it happens and, um, 
what can I learn from what they've gone through, you know, um, the people who are giving me advice and things like that. Um, and then we, you know, waited until everything was all set or whatever. Um, and we tried again and I got pregnant again. And, you know, I, I didn't tell a lot of people. I kept it closer to my chest and I was very anxious. Mm. Um, and then about, I, I think I was six or eight weeks along into the pregnancy. I started spotting and I, I was just devastated and I was like, God, like, I really can't handle this. Like if right. this happens again, I will probably leave you. Like, I really can't do this. You know, my marriage can't handle this. Like I can't, you know, and so much in my life at the time was changing. I was coming out of the ministry, mm -hmm. um, still looking for a job, you know, in a place, like I was in Connecticut away from my family. Um, and yeah, so becoming out of, coming out of the ministry, like a lot of my relationships were changing, which makes sense. I was getting discipled by new people and getting it, you know, connected to different, a different family group or a different, right. you know, group of, in my community. And, um, so building new friendships and to go through something like that when you're building, you know, new friendships can be really hard. And, right. and I think, cause I thought I had already gone through it. I was like, Oh, it's going to be hard, but I'll, you know, I'll get through it. Right. But this time I didn't have the surgery. I just let it, let this um, baby pass naturally. And that was really hard, you yeah. know, knowing that it wasn't just a normal, you know, cycle I was having, but it was, you know, losing the baby that I was excited to have. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just kind of going through that while just like living life, because right. when you're miscarrying, you don't, you know, nothing, you're not debilitated, you're not right. feverish, you're not right. contagious, you know, it's so you're just kind of naturally notice. Yeah. And so you're just kind of, you're like, okay, I guess I feel like fine. So I should just go do what I was going to go do. But like, while you're with people, you know, what's happening inside of your body. Mm. And so that was like really difficult and, and not what I, you know, had expected. And so then we were like, okay, we're not going to try anymore. Um, my doctor recommended we go see a fertility specialist because, you know, these were my first two pregnancies in general in my life. And right. for them to end the same way was, like, concerning. Normally they used to say, like, like the, if the first three um, are miscarriages, but she was like, I don't want you to go through another one, mm. you know, and and then go, you know, talk about, talk about it with someone. So, right. um, so before you continue, how yeah. do you think that like that, like in that moment, what was your relationship like with God? Like, Ugh. how did you feel? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was mad. I was sad. I felt, um, I felt like betrayed. I felt mm. like, oh, okay. Like, I guess, you know, I told you I'm going to not be in a relationship with you anymore if this happens. And I guess you don't care, you know? And yeah. so I, I felt really rebellious. I felt really like, you know, I, I just didn't want to talk to him. Mm. I didn't like, you know, it was like you have a fight with your friend or it's like when your parent, you know, says, no, you can't go to the school <laughs> dance or something. Right. You know, obviously it's much bigger than that, right. but it's like your dad said, no, you can't have this thing you really want. And so I was, you know, and then obviously the emotional level of that and, again, that idea that I was, you know, having new relationships. So I was just 
like not willing to be vulnerable with new people or vulnerable with the old people that were in my life like I just didn't know where to like turn and so I just turned inward Mm. you know and I and I I felt like why did you do that why'd you do that to me why did you take these babies away like like he took them away from me that's what it felt like and Mm. what am I gonna be a bad mother like you know you don't trust me you know and all those things and then I would kind of like swing to the other side of like okay god like I'm sure this is for a reason and right. maybe those babies would have been really sick you know if I had eventually you know carried them to full term or you know the timing or you know but I was just like why did you I just would have rather not gotten pregnant yeah. you know than yeah. not to lose the you know so it's like this mm-hmm. this constant kind of back and forth and and yeah I think I just kind of shut him out and so then, when I ended up getting pregnant again, it was like, oh, I hadn't, I haven't really been praying for this God. Like, you know, is that mm. is that good or bad? You know, and sh- I guess I should start praying for this pregnancy. And then just feeling really scared to get my hopes up again and to have faith. You know that this, right. that this was the one. You know, what is different about this time than than the other two times? And you know, what do I have to do? You know, kind of getting really legalistic. Like, okay. You know, I guess I need to get back to praying more. And if right. I don't pray, well, you know, and if yeah. I don't fast, you know, I can't really fast <laughs> when you're pregnant. <laughs> but if I don't, you know, do all these things, am I going to lose it again? You know, right. and and kind so of like thinking you have to bargain with God right. to make sure that he won't punish yeah. you in a uh-huh. sense again. Yeah. Yeah. Or earn this. Yeah. Earn this. And obviously that's not, you know, how well, God, God is. is. Yeah. Um, but that's where my head was at because of the two losses that I had, um, you know, had before. Right. And so, you know, this one ended up, um, being Adam, my son, who's (laughs) two now. Um, and, but the whole time I was like, so I would check like every single time I went to the bathroom, I would check if there was blood like, Mm. and, or I would just kind of like, okay, like, I, I feel crampy, you know, like, what, is that, is that, is something happening? Like, any little, you know, pain in my stomach, and, um, and so, and then when I got to the point of, like, okay, like, he, if something did happen, if I had to deliver early, you know, he would right. make it, he would mm-hmm. stay alive. Yeah. The, the odds are, you know. Right. And, but... So then I was just nervous about him coming. Like, am I ready? Do we end this, you know, at this time we're trying to buy a house because we're mm. still living in West Haven, moving to Stratford, trying to find a house. Can we afford a house? Can we, you know, yeah. where are we going to live? How's that going to be for my commute, you know, at work? You know, should I go back to work? All these, like, you know, just all these anxious thoughts. And right. I totally felt just anxious. Like, mm that's just how I would characterize like every night I would like be thinking about all these things and I don't have this yet and I didn't get that and is you know what if he has to live in my drawer in my bureau drawer oh, no. because we can't find you know a big <laughs> enough place for him and, yeah you know we'd figure it out but it's like those thoughts just go through your head and so right. I was just like are we ready are we gonna be able to do this and then I had gestational diabetes which totally threw a wrench in everything else that I was planning and Mm -hmm. I really wanted to have a natural home birth like at my home no pain medicine but when you have gestational diabetes they have to monitor you most of the time you get induced 
most of the time it's a C-section. Right. And, you know, none of that is quote-unquote, like, natural as I had in my mind. All of it's natural, it's birth, but... Right, right. I get what you mean. Which I've had, I've been able to, you know, tell myself, like, it was all natural. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it just didn't, wasn't going how I wanted it to go. So then I was like, oh, I don't want to have a C-section and I don't want to, you know, I wanted to be able to do this at home and take yeah. my time. And then what if I can't handle labor pains? Just all those things. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, I was just really anxious. And then I ended up getting, getting induced, um, like at, at 39 weeks, I think they induce you. Um, so a week before my due date, technically. And then I had a failed induction, which makes you feel really great about yourself when they tell you you had a failed induction. But it's called a failed induction because I didn't go into labor. And so I ended up having to have a C-section after being in the hospital for three days. Oh, wow. Um, so, which honestly... <laughs> was kind of okay because I didn't have any contractions. So it's not like I was have you know, in yeah. labor pains for three days. I just was sitting around the hospital watching a <laughs> match game with my family. So, um, you know, and then he was born on May 8th, 2019. And he was there. And the other fear I had was, you know, would we bond? Um, mm. Because he wasn't coming out of me, you know how I envisioned. Right. He was coming out of my stomach with surgery and all this other stuff. But the minute you, I heard his cry, like it was like instant, like my heart just like, it's a, it's hard. I can't explain it, but like we, I just felt so connected to this baby. Right. And that was really encouraging to know that, okay, like it didn't go exactly how I wanted, but he's here. He's healthy. I'm healthy. Dad's healthy you know, we're a family and we're going to figure this out, you know, and then he breastfed like right away, pretty much, you know, as soon as I got out of the operating room and stuff and that was exciting and just, just all of that. But then, you know, then I had ended up having postpartum anxiety, but that's a whole other discussion. So, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to, before we moved on, I just wanted to ask you, like looking back Mm -hmm. on all of that, Mm -hmm. right. And thinking about just everything that you went through, from what you thought you were going to have to the disappointment of not having it Mm -hmm. and then having all these changes. Is there anything that you feel like you see God in? Like, is there anywhere that you're like, wow, this is... All of it. I mean, he had... I had no idea what I needed. Like, God knew what I needed. Because even when when I was in the hospital having these little contractions while I was getting induced, it was hard. Yeah. And I think God knew, like, I, I... I mean, I'd make it through delivery if I had to, but he just knew, like, I needed, I needed another way. Like, I needed Mm. a way out, kind of, in a way, of, of that, like, that pain of, you know, being in labor, waiting, you know, there's pain when you have the C-section after, but I, I always remember thinking that, like, okay, I, I don't think I could handle that, you know, like, (laughs) I think he knew what I needed, and, and I know he knew what I needed, and that's, I think that's just, he knew we needed Adam, you know, and he he knew when we needed Adam, mm. and it was, like, you know, really good timing. We were in our new house again, and, um, you know, Stefan was pretty stable in his job, and I had, you know, an opportunity to be able to stay home and all of that, and I don't think it would have worked before. Um, we weren't financially stable, you know, and, you know, I, I just totally see God's timing, God's plan, mm. the way he was there, the way that he got me 
got Adam through the, the pregnancy, you know, kept Adam safe and alive and healthy. There were like no, you know, no complications except for my gestational diabetes. But even after that, Adam was, you know, fine with all that. Um, and so I just see how he was always there. Yeah. Even when I was mad at him, mm. you know, he, he was like, I'm right here. Like, and I know why you're mad at me, you yeah. know, and I know that that would make me upset too, if I was a human and that happened, like that I could just picture him kind of saying these things to me, like, but not, Oh, I have a better plan for you or cause that's not comforting in the moment. It's not, but <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, it's, I'm here still. Yeah. And that's, that's what I needed to know. That's all I needed to know. That's all I could handle. Yeah. I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to understand why I had those two losses and why I had anxiety or why I had gestational diabetes or, you know, a C-section or why it didn't go the way. I, I, I don't know his whole reasoning. There's so much more right. behind what, even what I can just see, but he was there you Mm. know, and, and that's what I look back on of, he never left me and I never left him, even though I said I was going to, (laughs) because again, you know, he's my dad. Like you get mad at your parents you're like, I'm moving out. And then you move back in, you know, or you want to come back and get, you know, the cooking or whatever. But I just, I couldn't, I can't picture life without God. He's there. Yeah. I believe in him. I believe he runs this universe. So, you know, we're going to maybe not get along all the time, but he's, he's always there. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. And so earlier you talked about, um, your, uh, postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So that is what your blog, keeping up with the Joneses, the most recent episode, episode. (laughs) most recent, um, blog post Mm -hmm. was about. Mm -hmm. So do you mind elaborating on that? Yeah, I'll try to keep it shorter but <laughs> no um, <it's> fine. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you know I've just been I've been dealing with postpartum anxiety since I had Adam um you know just just you know ruminating thoughts and triggers and physical you know um you know his crying really causes a physical reaction in me like I'm, I can't really think about anything else my heart will palpitate and and then just you know, being nervous about, oh, is he, is he at his right milestones? And I know, um, a lot of moms worry about that, but it just kind of was getting in the way of my daily life and things like that. So I started going to therapy, um, a Christian therapist and she's really awesome. Um, she has helped me in so many ways, but, um, yeah. And then, and then I had, um, depression while I was pregnant with, Olivia and Mm. um so we were talking about that and I've still had some you know postpartum anxiety with Olivia as well um but we were just kind of talking about just yeah my anxiety in general and fear fears of you know future plans and how do I know if this is from God that was kind of like the basis of our conversation like how can I know like if my anxiety is isn't the Holy Spirit prompting me to say no don't do that you know mm. that was kind of like I was just like oh like I'm, I'm getting all these like prompts of like maybe right. I shouldn't go forward with this decision and maybe we should just stay in the status quo and stay safe and so we were just kind of talking and she was like well you know the Holy Spirit is not going to sound 
anxious to you. And like, it's always going to be, you know, again, it can sound different to everyone. It can be the Holy Spirit can be loud, booming, you know, thunder. It can be a whisper. It can be a song. It can be a person, you know, telling you something, but you know, it's never going to be anxious or fearful or cause that's not God and right. that's not the Holy spirit, you know? And, and so we were just kind of talking about that and I was realizing like, I, that's just the voice, the overarching voice in my life. Right. Like I've, it's always been there mm-hmm. uh, and I've always kind of felt that like, Oh, maybe my fear is, is, is the, you know, before I, I believed in God is the universe, you know, telling me, <laughs> you know, not to do this thing or, right. Or just, yeah. Sh- like, should I take this job? And I don't know, you know, should I quit this job? <laughs> um, you know, oh no, like you, you know, having that fear and it never felt like positive. It was right. always just fearful and anxious. And so I was realizing that was the loud voice in my head. And I was thinking of John 10, where Jesus talks about that he is the shepherd and the sheep know and recognize his voice, Mm. you know, and Satan is there calling to the sheep saying, come over here, you know, or do this thing or do that thing. But the sheep know, and that's, you know, in real life, sheep know their shepherd's voice, like, and it's might be silly, but my dog, you know, knows my husband's voice, knows my voice and listens to my husband more and not (laughs) me as much, but you know, like he, she knows the difference or like our kids, like we know our kids' voices. When we're at the park, 50 kids are saying, Mommy, we still know, oh, that's Adam over there saying, right. you know. And and so it's like that with God. It's like that with Jesus. Like, And I think my whole life, I had this anxious voice that was the Lord of my life. Hmm. It felt really safe. It felt like it was taking care of me. Right. It felt like it had my best interests at heart. But in reality... And it did at a time. It was safe. It was the right choice to listen to that anxious voice, to hold myself back. And that was the comfort that I needed, you mm-hmm. know. But now that I'm working on, you know, healing and growing and healing my anxiety and healing my depression, that it's not safe anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's holding me back. And it was just getting in the way of my marriage, you know. And because you can kind of be like, oh, you know, it's what's the big deal? Like, right. It's it's. You, you choose to listen to your fearful voice or you choose to not, but right. Satan wants you to not be, he wants you to be divorced. You know, he wants you to have dysfunction in your family. Right. He wants you to, he wants to perpetuate all these things. And so when you're, division. yeah, exactly. Yeah. When your fearful voice causes division, like that's where you were. Okay. That's not Jesus. Like, mm. And, you know, there's times where you have to say, like, oh, I'm feeling weird about this decision. Where am I going to make? Or let me at least voice my thoughts. What do you think? But if it's really causing you to, like, mistrust your spouse, like, oh, they don't have they don't have my family's best intentions. I do, you know. Mm. And whether you're the husband or the wife, like, distrusting the other person, making decisions, things like that. But, I, you know, it was really causing me to not want to submit to Stefan and... Um, not believe that he was really praying about things or, and that's where you see like, there's like paranoia and distrust. And so she was, I was like, yeah, like, I just don't trust a lot of people. And she's like, well, everyone trusts in something, you know? And so what do you trust in? And I was like, at first I was going to say myself, but I don't really trust 
in myself. I don't mm-hmm. trust a lot in my own, you know, gut instinct, quote unquote. So I was, I realized I'm trusting in this anxious voice that I hear. I'm mm. not turning to trust in God. That's not natural to me. I'm not turning to trust my husband, to trust my gut instinct. Like I just said, like, I'm not, my kids, like, oh, they're going to, I'm going to be able to understand, what, you know, when they need what they need. Right. I don't trust that, you know. I'm trusting this anxious voice. I'm I'm being led astray over to this anxious voice that sounds like God, like, oh, you know, you should take a step back or stay here where it's safe. Like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound bad. Right. But it's not, it's not what's going to help you grow. Mm. It's going to keep you stagnant or it's again going to cause division in your marriage or in your relationships. Like, and so I think just learning to distinguish. And I was like, how do I distinguish? And it's like, I just need to listen to Jesus's voice more, you know? And, and, and my therapist kind of suggested, like, just look at how Jesus talks to his sheep and talks to his disciples. What's his tone? What are the things that he says? And does your anxious voice ever say things like that? Like, Mm. does it comfort you? No, obviously. Like, does it, you know, love you no matter unconditionally you know no like the anxious voice doesn't do that but that's what jesus does and so that's what i've been trying to study out more is this is knowing jesus's voice and recognizing it and fighting up against this louder voice that has been super safe for me yeah but isn't safe anymore yeah i like that i like your distinction and because i feel like that's a space that a lot of people who follow God struggle with, Mm -hmm. like determining what's my voice and what is Satan's voice and what's God's voice. And I love how your therapist even, you can say she's a Christian therapist, so (laughs) I love how she even was like, well, God's voice is going to be in line with scripture Mm -hmm. and Satan is not. (laughs) And I think that that's really cool. And that's a really awesome revelation. Mm -hmm. I think that even also as you were speaking, 2 Timothy 1.7 came to mind about not having a spirit of timidity, yeah. but of power, of love, of self-discipline. And right. like, even how that yeah. automatically says like, oh, okay, this voice is clearly not God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I was just really inspired reading your blog post because I, I just felt like, I don't know, it just gave me this revelation of just like, wow, like we do all trust in something. And it kind of right. challenged me, like, what am I trusting in? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I like leaning into right. over God? Right. Um, and so... I'm really grateful that you shared. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. And I did have a few questions um, prepared for you. Okay. So, um, let's see. So, I kind of already asked the first two. Okay. Okay, So, going into um, the miscarriage, right? Yeah. Pregnancy loss. I think that this is something that's not often talked about. Mm -hmm. I think a lot more women experience it than it shared. I think now it's starting to come out more. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think whether it's in the Christian world or yeah. whatever, is the most misunderstood about pregnancy. Um, about pregnancy or pregnancy loss? Sorry, about pregnancy loss. Sure. So I think that how common it is, because even in my family, you know, my mom never experienced that. My Nana did, but she also had six, you know, children. Right. But she had, you know, I remember she had, they kind of talked about how she had two miscarriages, but it was also kind of like... Well, you know, she had six kids and it was bound to kind of happen. Mm. Like back then, you know, they were getting pregnant a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so it was kind of just like, oh, you know, or I heard like maybe an aunt had one and Mm. she was sad about that. But 
that was, you know, I didn't right. know anyone and how, and I think even if you do know and you kind of hear like, oh, it happened to me and this is how I got through it, you don't realize like how devastating it can be, mm-hmm. the dreams that you can come up with in a day of knowing yes. you're pregnant, <laughs> like you, you get that positive test and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, is it going to be a boy or a girl? Is it, you know, what's it going to be like? What is it going to be like to be pregnant? You know, I'm going to be able to deliver, you know, you're just, those are the thoughts that start. Right. And so whether you tell anyone or you tell just your spouse or you just keep it to yourself and then you have that loss, your mourning, even it could have been inside of you for a week and you, and and then Mm. you, you lose it you're mourning those dreams. You're mourning that possibility. You're mourning all the hope. Like, especially, you know, not everyone dreams the same way that I dream to be a mother. Some people do, some people... But, like, I was like, this is going to be the thing that I am the best at in my life. That's Mm -hmm. really what I thought. And so then to to already... It felt like failing already. Mm -hmm. Like, I already failed. I couldn't keep this. What did I do? Right. You know, and you blame yourself. Like, so I just think it's even if you know people who have had loss, it you don't understand the emotional devastation that can come from that. That's so true. And in general, I just think we don't understand. You know, and I think too, like I was talking to a doctor in our fellowship, and um, they were kind of mentioning, you know, women find out so much sooner than we ever used to Mm. that we're pregnant. We can find out before we miss our period. Yeah. And that never used to be the case. Even if, you know, in your life you had maybe like a late period or something, you might not have known maybe that that was a miscarriage, but now we know because we know so soon that we're pregnant. And that's kind of even the first time I got pregnant, it was like, I I had a little dot. That's all they could see on the ultrasound. Like I was not even that far along, you know, and... But I still experienced that loss, and I Mm. still had that, again, those hopes and those dreams, and I think that's kind of what I never expected. Like, I just kind of thought, like, oh, if it happens, it'll be hard, but I'll just get pregnant again, (laughs) you Mm. know? And then when it happens twice, you know, or three times, or, you know, and then, you know, then you're dealing with, like, whatever infertility or things like that, that you just it it can really get to the core of being a woman too because mm. i think we as women no matter what we try to tell ourselves or or society just kind of tells us like yep you become a mother and then you know you become a grandmother and then and so when you're not able to to do those things you're like oh like what you know what am i right what, what did i do where's my right, worth right comes? Yeah. yeah society like in society like Oh, you've been married for this long and you don't have kids yet? Like, what? what's, you know, everyone, well, why? Right. Why, you know, and it's like, okay, well, for, you know, that's my business, but I think people can think that. Maybe they don't always ask you. Right. But maybe they do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, you can, it just gets to the core yeah. of, of who you are, no matter what you've dreamed of before in your life. I think I've talked to people who didn't even really want to be moms, you know, and mm-hmm. then they're like, oh actually like I this is hard you know and people like me who've dreamed you know dreamed of it forever so I think it's just yeah it gets to the core of things yeah yeah 
I agree. I think that it's funny that you mentioned, like, you know, people asking, right? Yeah. Because it's so hard because it's like that's also just a part of who we are as people. Mm -hmm. You don't want people to feel like they can't ask. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think they're trying to hurt us, Mm -hmm. but it just triggers so many things. And I think it's just really, like, I think it's it's finessing it, if you will. Uh It's like asking in a way that's not like, well, what's what what are you waiting for kind of thing? But, like... If you're genuinely curious, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a conversation. And I think it depends your relationship with the yes. person. Like, Joe Schmo off the street, please don't <laughs> ask me that question. You know, yeah. because if you really want to know, I'll tell you. Well, I just had two miscarriages. And <laughs> I'm six weeks along in my third, and I'm freaked out. You know, right. I can tell you all the details. But, right. But if you're, you know, my disciple or you're my best friend, and you're kind of like, hey, I thought you guys said you wanted to start trying, right. or... You know, I I think it's just knowing your relationship and knowing, which you then know how to ask someone a hard question like that. Um, You know, that, but yeah, I think it's just, and timing and, you know, not in like a public place. Yeah, yeah. You know, different It's about thinking about what you're going to say before. Being slow to speak. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, you had mentioned like discipling partners, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So... For those who might not be familiar with that term, um, just basically relationships where you're basically encouraging one another to live like Christ. So with that being said, my next question was, for a person who might be discipling or even be friends with somebody Mm -hmm. who might be going through pregnancy loss or Mm -hmm. infertility or anything like that, what things do you think... So, let's see, how do I phrase this? What do you think is good things to say, and what do you think are, like, the wrong things to say? (laughs) I'm sure you've heard both. I think, you know, good things are, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. I am here for you. Please let me know what you need. Um, You know, because some people want all of the people around them. Come over, please, and watch a movie with me. Bring me this food, you know. Some people are like, I just need alone time and prayer, you know. Mm -hmm. And, And so I think asking leaving it open-ended and and you can say if you don't know what you need like I'm here when you figure it out like things like that um because you also don't want I am a person who tends to be like well they asked like a week ago and maybe they're busy now and Mm. but it's like no I'm always here you know um and I think just praying with them a lot it's prayer like prayer is the only thing that can help because you can't solve their infertility or their loss you can't you can't speed up their grief grief Mm -hmm. is yeah and I'm learning in general grief is not linear you know grief pops back up and Mm -hmm. you're like whoa like today's the anniversary of when that I had my pregnancy loss like that's crazy even though I'm staring at my two kids right now I'm sad like what like you know or whatever um and so I think just understanding, like, you can't speed up someone's grief. And and I think things to not say are just, especially, like, you know, for me when it was the second time, I just felt, maybe people didn't actually say this, but mm-hmm. I felt kind of like people were just like, okay, well, you know, you know what you did last, you did last time to get through it, so you're good, right? Like, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, and okay, well, you're not going in for surgery this time, so I don't have to, like, you know, come visit you at the hospital. Like, again, people didn't say that, but it was just kind of, like, it wasn't ever talked about after I brought it up again, you know? And to go through it naturally, 
it takes a long time. You mm-hmm. know, it was like a long time, and I'm still, you know, losing parts of this, you know, um, embryo or whatever, whatever you want to call it, yeah, um, baby inside of me. Um, and so I think just checking back up, especially if they are not going to have the surgery, like, hey, how are you f- still feeling? You know, yeah. and and um, and I think too, I've heard a lot, especially with women who. Um, deal with prolonged, like, infertility where they've tried many, many, many times or they've even tried IVF and it's still not working or different things like that, Um, you know, not kind of saying, like, well, adoption's always an option or have you thought about... Or, you know, if they haven't done IVF, have you thought about IVF yet? And have you... Because they have thought of all of those things. Right. And there's a reason that that's not happening right now. And I think just... the intentions are obviously really good. Right. And I think that's what's great about most discipling relationships in our fellowship. Most of those one another or even mentor, mentee kind of, you know, an older married woman with a younger married woman or different things like that. Those relationships have the best intentions and yeah. we're trying to help each other. And, right. and you know, but I think it's just... Um, that, again, I think it's really, like, you can't solve their problems for yeah, them. Yeah, I was going to say that. And that's that's a hard thing in general when you're yeah. helping people go through hard things. You yeah. Know, whether it's pregnancy loss or not, you want to help the person. You want to solve their problems. Like, yep. but really, that you can't. You can't make mm-hmm. them even really feel better. And that's yeah. something that's hard for me. I, I'm always like, but don't you feel better after we talked? And it's like... Yeah, but it's still a hard thing, you know, yeah. and tomorrow I'm going to wake up and remember again, you yeah. know, and, and so I think it's just, um, praying, prayer, be, and, and doing what they ask. If they want food, if they want to not talk about it, if they want to talk about it, if they want, you know, what do you need? And hopefully, you know, you, you would know that, but sometimes yeah. you don't. Yeah. And, and so asking, what do you need from me? Like, mm-hmm. I really want to be there for you. What can I do for you? Yeah. You know? And and not assuming. I right. think that's, that's kind of the biggest, like, heading. Don't assume you know what they've thought about, what they feel, what they have gone, you know, even if you've been through it before. Yeah. You can't know where they're at in their process. Yeah. So, yeah, you just have to cater to them. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very real. I really like what you said about um, not trying to fix it for Mm -hmm. them. I think that that's what we all want to do, is we want the person to just stop hurting. We're like, well, let me fix it this way. Well, let me do this. And, well, at least you know this. Right. And it's like, okay, but I'm still sad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think um, what I'm learning, even through listening to you, Mm -hmm. um, is to just allow people the space to grieve. Yeah. And being there for them genuinely right and that's hard like sitting there watching somebody cry is not easy for either party right right and I think that's the biggest thing that I'm taking away from Mm -hmm. it is just learning to let them accept where they are and sit in it for a little bit because that's how you're really gonna heal and Mm -hmm. it's funny because that even reminds me I always mix it up I can't remember if it's Elijah or Elisha yeah that God was just like here eat some food and cry uh-huh. for 40 yeah, days yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then we'll you know we'll move we'll on from there yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm like wow like that kind of like showed me like God gives people the space to grieve yeah I need to give people the yeah. space to grieve but. and I think too even I'm thinking of like Jesus comforting 
um, Mary and Martha when Lazarus passed, like, and, and just, he was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna raise him from the dead. He'll be raised. He still wept alongside them. Yes. And I think that's the other thing too, is like, oh, well, I don't want to put my emotions, like, if you're sad for them, cry with them. Like, I remember, like, Florence crying with me when Mm -hmm. I shared, you know, that I had a miscarriage and, um, Florence, our church leader, and that is obviously a memory in my head, and, you know, it just was powerful, and, and I think, too, that idea of, there's also, like, oh, well, I don't want to say this, and I don't, and, and maybe this wouldn't help, but for me, it did really help people reminding me, like, well, you'll, you will see them in heaven one day, Mm. like, you will see those babies, and, and you will see God, you will see Jesus, you know, there's, there is going to be, like, in Revelation, there's going to be a time where there's no more weeping, like, this, we're on this earth, there's going to be hard things, bad things, horrible things, but there, there's something that we all can look forward to, right, of getting to heaven, where there's no more weeping, Mm -hmm. and there's, there's answers, but there's also just, worshiping God and being how we were supposed to be, you right. know, in the garden. <laughs> but we just get to be without the pain, you mm-hmm. know, and and that's a long way away and that's not always comforting right away, but I know for me that was something that got me through like okay, this is just a hard thing in life. Yeah. And but there is a time where things are not going to be hard and right. if I push through and keep up with my relationship with God, you know, I'll get there, you know. So, amen. Well, I'm really grateful that you came, that you shared with us. I am, you know how much I love you. (laughs) I love hearing from you. I think that you're amazing. I've watched you through all of this. And to see you on the other side of it, I'm really proud of you. I'm glad you're still here. (laughs) Um, And that I get to call you my friend. But I'm just so grateful for you joining us and sharing your story. Thank you. And I know that people are going to be encouraged by it. Good. Awesome. Thanks Thanks. for having me. Of course. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of the Tell Your Story segment of the SoCon podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please click the link in the description box to follow us on social media so that you can stay up to date on what's happening with the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. Have a good one and don't forget to tune in next week for the second episode of the Tell Your Story segment of the SoCon podcast.